0: The Lymphoma Voices podcast brings you a series of conversations around topics of interest for people affected by lymphoma, the fifth most common cancer in the UK.
1: Today we're delighted to welcome Dr. Sarah Jarvis, who's joining us for the first in a series of Lymphoma Action Conversations. Many of you will know Sarah from television programmes such as Good Morning Britain and The One Show. And she's also the resident doctor on the Jeremy Vine show on BBC Radio 2. And thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. So we start, we know that there are around 19,500 people diagnosed with lymphoma every year and 125,000 people living with it. And that means that every 27 minutes, someone is diagnosed with lymphoma in the UK. But it's actually not many people know what it, what it is or what the symptoms are. So,
0: I think most of us have heard about leukemia, but it's extraordinary how few people have heard of lymphoma given that it's the fifth commonest cause of cancer in the UK and as you say, about 19,000 people are diagnosed every year. So it's one of what we call the the blood cancers, blood and bone marrow cancer. So there's leukemia, there's lymphoma, and there's myeloma. Now your lymphatic system is part of your immune system and that normally helps you fight off disease. You've got a a whole network, a railway network, if you like, which carries lymph, which is a fluid carrying containing white cells around the body. There are thousands of tubes called lymphatic vessels, they're like the, the train tracks if you like, and then the glands, the nodes are where the, those cells are stored. Now anyone who's had a sore throat for instance and has had a swollen glands, those are actually lymph nodes. So your white cells can be mobilized if there's an infection in one part of the body and they tend to congregate in that site of infection. And those nodes, if you've got an infection, are usually tender but with lymphoma, one of the commonest symptoms is swollen lymph nodes, most noticeable in your neck, in your armpits and your groin, but they're normally painless and that's really quite key. You also don't have an infection in that area and you may not feel unwell. But you could also have tiredness for no obvious reason. That Clearly very important to remember that most people who have swollen glands or feel tired have got another reason, but it is important to remember to think of lymphoma. If you have weight loss for no apparent reason without trying to lose weight, if you're having sweats or fevers, especially at night, if you're having itching and you haven't got a rash and there's no obvious reason, or if you're getting frequent infections, all of those are symptoms really which should flag to you that you need to go and see your GP. The point about lymphoma is that it's unusual because unlike other cancers like breast cancer, it presents, di- presents differently in different people and that means that if you're in doubt, it's always worth getting it checked out.
1: You mentioned a number of the symptoms there and actually we say that the lymphoma is the great chameleon because a lot of those symptoms could be a number of other things that aren't lymphoma. And, on average, it actually takes a person perhaps two or three visits to the GP before they get a a referral. But what would prompt a GP to refer a person to, to get tested further for lymphoma, for example?
0: One of the issues with lymphoma is because it presents differently in so many ways and because things like swollen glands or tiredness can be signs of so many other things that your GP will want to do other things to check it out. So to put it into perspective, many, many people come and see me all the time, I've been a GP for just over 30 years and I've lost count of the number of people who have come in to see me with tiredness. In the vast majority of cases actually there isn't a physical cause, about 75% of people will do blood tests But we often won't find a physical cause. Now, that can be a challenge with lymphoma because we do know that there are over 60 types, subtypes of lymphoma, and they're split broadly into ones you might have heard of Hodgkin's lymphoma and non Hodgkin's lymphoma. About four in five people will have a type of non Hodgkin's lymphoma. But as we've seen, they can present in different ways. And of course, the problem is that if you've been to see your GP perhaps and your GP has done the original tests and there's nothing to be found and it's not always easy. There aren't classic symptoms as there would be in say leukemia or underactive thyroid even from a simple blood test. Some people may be reluctant to go back to see their GP because they think well the GP's done the tests and there wasn't anything found. It is really really important that you do go back to see a GP if your symptoms are persisting or really importantly if you have new symptoms because they may give a clue. So Lymphoma Action has got to help the NHS to help you campaign because the NHS has issued a plea to the public to seek medical help if they're worried about any signs or symptoms of cancer. We've all heard the concerns about fewer people going in to see their GP during the pandemic and of course as a consequence people not being referred. So unfortunately A survey by Public Health England showed nearly half of the UK have concerns about seeking medical help during the pandemic but what we need to remember is that cases are significantly lower than they were and unfortunately coronavirus is not the only disease in town. So this same survey suggested one in ten people would put off booking an appointment even if they were concerned presumably because they're worried that the GP might want to refer them. Well I think it's just very important that if you do have those symptoms you go and see the GP. If you've got persistent symptoms, if you've got a combination of symptoms that the GP can't necessarily pull together and make a diagnosis for, then at that point they should be referring
1: you. Thank you, I think that really emphasises the message that if something doesn't feel right for you then you should actually go and get that checked out and often you might need to go back a couple of times in order to rule out other things before moving on to uh, a lymphoma diagnosis. Actually, going to the GP and getting a referral is is really only the first step in in that process and actually we know that it it can take a long time to get an accurate diagnosis of lymphoma.
0: One of the problems with lymphoma is that even if you've had tests and got a diagnosis, you can't accurately diagnose what type you've got without having a biopsy. So Hodgkin lymphoma and high-grade non-Hodgkin lymphoma are treated with the aim of curing you, whereas low-grade non-Hodgkin lymphoma has different treatment and it's treated basically to control the symptoms. And that's why it's so important not just to get a diagnosis of lymphoma, but of the right type. So as I say, over 60 types, at the very lowest end of the spectrum it might be watch and wait but at the other end of the spectrum it could be chemotherapy, it could be immunotherapy, it could even be a transplant ther- a transplant uh, of stem cells or indeed even one of the, the new CAR T-cell therapies. So it does take a while because there are so many types and once you've got the different types they'll need to take into account you and your particular characteristics as well as how high grade your lymphoma is and what type it is. All of those can take time, but it is worth sticking with it.
1: With the, the, the biopsy, we know that um, there's a number of people through, who get involved in terms of trying to uh, get a diagnosis of that through, with the pathologists and the various people uh, involved with that. And that kind of leads on to, you know, as part of your treatment, you'll be, um, you'll be looked after by an, a wide group of people. Um, which might include a, a clinical nurse specialist, a CNS, or a consultant, and they're a part of that diagnosis, that treatment. But what is the role of the GP as part of that or post kind of treatment, and what happens with the, the, the role of the GP then?
0: Everybody who's diagnosed with lymphoma will be seen by a consultant and indeed a specialist team, a so called multidisciplinary team, which will have nurses, specialist nurses, doctors and so on, but depending on what your treatment is or what treatment you and your team agree, you may or may not spend a lot of time or sometimes hardly any time at all under their follow-up care. The GP should get details of all of your treatments, of your diagnosis and of what the recommendations are. It may be, for instance, that they will simply recommend that you go up and see them regularly if they're under this so-called watch and wait. But in the meantime, It's crucial that you recognize, A, that there are other conditions and that if you get, for instance, symptoms, it's more important for you even than for anybody else to get them checked out, say, if you have an infection. But it's also important to keep into perspective that your GP will be able to advise whether or not this is related to your lymphoma or whether it's simply that everybody gets infections, everybody gets symptoms, whether they're due to lymphoma or not. So they'll also want to make sure that you've had vaccinations for instance the flu vaccination and indeed the pneumonia vaccination will be important for pretty much everybody who's had a diagnosis of lymphoma. They may well be helping you out with screening appointments if you're having problems getting hold of the hospital especially at the moment they can often liaise with the hospital. But of course lymphoma can take its toll mentally as well and for instance if you have depression or anxiety or stress then your GP may well be the best place person firstly to help out with that but also importantly to help you to liaise with any counselling services. If you need to have time off work then they may often be the people who will be providing you with fit notes and they can talk to you about the benefits that you may be entitled to. Some people who have treatment, we always assume once you've had treatment that's it you're out of the woods but of course some people will have late stage effects or they may just be not completely cured and still have some ongoing side effects and your GP can help
1: with those as well. I think it's important, we've been obviously been talking about the person who's directly got a diagnosis of lymphoma but all of what you say there is important for friends and and family, particularly partners, carers, etc. around the patient as well because it's important that they liaise with their GP and keep themselves as healthy and as well as they can be in order to continue to provide that support, etc.
0: GPs take confidentiality extremely seriously and the GP is not going to provide information about your loved one um, or their lymphoma without your specific advice and your specific consent. But That doesn't mean you don't need to look after yourself. Firstly, of course, they may well provide that consent or if you've got lymphoma, you could provide consent for a loved one. And secondly, somebody caring for someone with lymphoma or close to someone with lymphoma, even if they feel entirely well, is going to have all of their own concerns. So it is so important that if you have concerns, you go and speak to your GP, whether it's the same GP as Your relative or your loved one with lymphoma or whether it's another one, explain what the situation is. They won't be able to give out advice about the person with lymphoma without their consent but they can certainly give you general advice and they can certainly deal with any concerns that you have. Now if you are living with somebody who's been advised for instance to shield as a result of lymphoma then going forward you would be offered for instance flu vaccination as well and indeed the same sort of availability of counselling if you have stress or anxiety-related symptoms.
1: So just building on what you mentioned about uh, lymphoma and, and COVID-19 in, that, in the area, how has the role of the GP changed um, over the last few months? The role of the
0: GP has changed out of all recognition because we were advised by the NHS that in order to protect other patients and indeed to protect staff, but mostly to protect other patients because by definition, most people who go and see a GP are sick, we should close our doors, but very much keep our surgeries open. That means we've moved from having about 5% of consultations carried out online to over 50% and in some surgeries up to 75% of consultations have been carried out either by the phone or by video consultations. That does not mean that your GP will not see you in person if you need to be seen. And it certainly does not mean that your GP is not available. They very much will be available to see you. It may be that you can't make, for instance, online appointments and just go in at the time that your appointment was booked. If you have got an appointment booked to see a GP, you may well need to have a phone call beforehand to screen you to make sure that you haven't got any possible symptoms of coronavirus. and. A great deal more is being done online but I can assure you it is still being done.
1: You actually touched on the the importance of the relationship between the GP in the primary care setting and actually the consultant and hospital in the secondary care setting. So how does that normally work and how has that kind of again changed and been affected by by the Covid-19 crisis?
0: Under normal circumstances most people who've got cancer The GP wouldn't attend multidisciplinary team meetings, but they would certainly be kept informed of the outcome and they would expect to liaise with the consultant team either through the clinical nurse specialist or indeed through one of the doctors, either by phone or by email or letter. Now what we're increasingly seeing is Zoom meetings or other online platform meetings where there is a multidisciplinary team meeting and quite often the GP going forward is going to be involved in those as well. So they will be playing a part of holding together all your care because of course, unlike Your hospital team they will have details of all your past history they'll know exactly what's going on forever with everything and that does put them in a really important position in terms of knowing what your treatment might hold and indeed how your treatment might affect the rest of your health.
1: What do you think will change forever as a result of what we've learned about how we can deliver services in different ways, particularly about telephone consultations? Number of people continuing their treatment with lymphoma are are, are having access to potentially different treatments or or in, in different ways. But what what do you think that we the good things that we can learn that we should take forward uh, as a result of, of these last few months?
0: Well, most people I think think of the pandemic as being a an entirely negative phenomenon, but I do think that there are going to be some positives to come out of it. For instance, a lot of people, particularly for instance, people who are working, or maybe work a little way away from where they live, find it much more convenient to access their GP remotely, either by telephone or by video consultations. A lot of practices have now introduced the so-called digital front door, which means that rather than uh, telling your, your doctor your, your symptoms when you arrive, you are, in a questionnaire and you fill in the details and that may well give you a better opportunity indeed to write down the details of all your concerns and get them all on paper so that you don't have to try and remember them all when you go into a consultation. I don't think there's any much doubt that Digital Front Door is here to stay, that people will be told whether they can have a telephone or whether it's appropriate to have a telephone or a video appointment or called in depending on what they've submitted on those forms if your practice has got that digital front door that again doesn't mean that if you get a phone call you wouldn't be called in but it may well be that the automatic default is not to have an appointment it is to either to submit a form or to call in for a phone consultation first and a surprising number of issues can be dealt with either by a phone consultation or a video consultation and that may well be much more convenient for many patients but Mm. I just do want to stress that at no point have we said that's it, GPs aren't going to see patients anymore, it's all going to be done remotely. If you need to be seen, you will be.
1: Well thank you very much for your time today Sarah and I'm sure this will be really helpful for our supporters and for people affected by lymphoma and in raising awareness around lymphoma more widely. So thank you very much.
0: My pleasure. It's a real joy to be involved with lymphoma action. I think that you know you've done so much great work, firstly in raising awareness, secondly in helping people, of course, some specific examples such as the distance aware campaign, where you are helping people to feel more confident when they're going out if they've been shielding or if they feel that they are clinically extremely vulnerable. But the information is so important bringing people together so that they can communicate with each other, to share experiences, to share examples of best practice, and of course, for you to provide expert support as well. So my thanks to you. Thank you. For more information about lymphoma and the support we can offer to people affected by the condition, please visit the Lymphoma Action website at www.lymphoma-action.org.uk. Lymphoma Action. Inform, support, connect.